Well, we want to welcome all of you tonight. If you're visiting our church, we are finishing a three-part series that we've been going through as a church family uh, that we've titled Silent Night. There's a line in that song, Silent Night, that basically says to sleep in heavenly peace. And what we wanted to do as a church family is answer the question, is that still possible in the world that we live in with all the chaos and all the turmoil and all the stress and everything else we deal with is it still possible to sleep in heavenly peace my son is here in service tonight he's not in chat you want to come up and say hi to everyone asher come say hi come here come say hi real quick here you want to say hi here you can use my mic you want to say hi say hi everyone hi hi He doesn't get to come to big church often, so he's here. It's so funny. We were driving home Saturday night after church, and me and him were just talking in the car. And he goes, so so where where does Jesus live? I said, well, he lives in your heart. And he goes, well, what's he doing right now? And I was like, well, I don't know. He's like, well, when's he going to come out? I said, I don't know. And I turn around, and we're driving, and he's in the backseat going like this. And I said, what are you doing? He goes, I'm just shaking up Jesus. So, Asher, that was funny. Thank you for that one. Uh, The greatest material comes from kids. Well, you know, during this Christmas time, there's a lot of great Christmas music and Christmas carols. And one of the things that, that I wonder is how come we sing songs that we really don't experience? How come we give Christmas cards that we really don't know we you know we give these beautiful christmas cards with beautiful pictures and paintings and sayings and we sing these songs how many know there's some christmas music out there that's just strange i mean we just you know you listen to the lyrics and you know there's a real a song right now that i've heard literally every day on the radio that the the do you hear what i hear you know that song and we talked about this a couple weeks ago has one of the funniest lines i've ever heard in a christmas song it says a child a child shivers in the cold let us bring him him silver and gold how about a blanket i mean that'd be a little bit more appropriate for a freezing baby i mean the kid has pneumonia but he's loaded uh you know there's just you know it it doesn't quite make sense and then we look at the song silent night and the truth is if you look at the world today we sing a lot of songs that we just aren't experiencing you know we give christmas cards to one another that we really aren't living out their beautiful phrases their beautiful sayings but it's just you know there are very few people today in the world and i would say even tonight there are very few people here tonight that if i ask how you're doing there's probably very few people who can say you know what i'm just i'm just i just have so much peace in my life right now i mean i just overwhelmed with peace i just feel so good right now and just just have all this peace in my life the truth is there's very few people that can honestly say that but as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, there is, there is nothing we should have more of than the peace of Jesus Christ. The Bible describes it as a commodity of Christians. We, we should have this evident in our life to sleep in heavenly peace. So the question is, where is the disconnect? Where's the disconnect? If, if, if the Bible talks about this peace and, and the song Silent Night says sleep in heavenly peace... How come so many of us are going to bed at night stressed out of our mind with anxiety, with depression, with fear, with worry, uh, with challenges, trials that are just overwhelming and crippling us on the inside? Uh, A couple weeks ago when we began the series, we we did a message called 
Peace on earth, because I mean, that's the popular phrase during the Christmas time. Many of you have probably gotten a Christmas card this year that says peace on earth, or you've seen a poster that says peace on earth. I was on the small world ride at Disneyland a couple weeks ago, and we pulled in one of the rooms and there in lights, peace on earth. And we studied and found that that phrase only exists in the Bible one time, and it's not in the Christmas story. The only time that phrase is in the Bible is Luke 12, where Jesus says, Do you think that I came to bring peace on earth? No, but war and division. Put that on your Christmas card. There's your peace on earth. I mean, it's not in. I know you saw Charlie Brown and Linus says peace on earth, but that's not what the Bible says. When you look at Luke chapter 2 and you read the Christmas story and the angels say, Glory to God in the highest. It says, And on earth peace. See, it doesn't say peace on earth. There will never be peace on earth. In the last 3,500 years alone, we have had over 14,000 wars in the world. There'll never be peace on earth. But the beauty is on earth peace on whom his favor rests. So the question is, how do we get God's favor to rest on our life? And that is my passion. That is my, my, my goal with this series. And my, my dream for you is that on Wednesday morning, December 26th, when you wake up and one of your friends asks you, what did you get for Christmas? That you begin to list all the different things that you opened up from under the tree. But my dream is that you'll stop and say, you know what? Really, the greatest thing that I received this Christmas, the greatest gift that I got this Christmas was I experienced more of God's peace than I've ever known before. Uh, I have peace to a greater degree than I've ever felt, that I've ever known that my circumstances haven't changed. The situation I'm in hasn't changed. The challenges and the trials that I'm facing haven't changed, but I've experienced more peace this Christmas than any other time in my life. And that's my dream. Jesus said in John chapter 14, he says, I'm leaving you with a gift. Jesus wants to give you a Christmas gift tonight. He wants to give you a gift. What gift? Peace of mind and heart. John 14, 27, I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. And he goes on to say, and the peace I give isn't fragile like the peace the world gives. I mean, no, the world has counterfeit forms of peace. They'll give you a prescription for peace at the clinic. You can buy illegal peace on the street. You can get peace, to try, try to find this, that fragile form of peace to elicit sex and all different things, but it's temporary. It's not lasting. It's a fragile form of peace that the world offers you, but it won't last. It won't sustain you. It won't fulfill you like the peace that comes only from God. Yesterday, we talked about reconciliation and and how one of the biggest reasons many of us don't have peace in our life is people. How many would agree with me? This world would be great without all the people. I mean, mean, just people will rob you of your peace. They just take your peace away. And we talked about how you won't find peace necessarily in conflict resolution. We all want to resolve things. But the truth is there's no guarantee for peace in conflict resolution. It's when you reconcile with somebody that you find peace. And what does reconcile mean? It means to bring their balance to zero. They betrayed you. They hurt you. They stabbed you in the back. They did terrible things. 
But you will find peace when you will bring their balance to zero. When you'll reconcile with them, where, where, where you don't count their sin against them. This is not for their sake. It's not, it, it doesn't mean to say what they did was right or what, they, what happened didn't hurt. It simply is for your own peace of mind. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 5 verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers. For they will be called children of God. And that word blessed in the Greek is the word makarios. It doesn't mean material blessing. It means internal joy. It means happiness. He's saying, if you want to live in peace and happiness and with this internal joy, you have to be a peacemaker. And if you want to be a peacemaker, you have to reconcile with people. Well, tonight we're going to finish the series with a message that I titled Prince of Peace. And we're going to look into one of the most famous passages of Scripture about Christmas in the Old Testament. In the book of Isaiah, there there is a prophecy about the birth of Jesus Christ. And I want you to understand this about prophecy. This prophecy was written 700 years before Jesus Christ was born. 700 years before he was born, this piece of scripture was written about him. In fact, when you study the Old Testament, there is over 300 prophecies about Jesus Christ that were written over hundreds of years before he was born. And you know what the most incredible thing about the Bible is? Every single one of them we find in recorded history came true to the littlest detail. Think about that. Over 300 prophecies and not one of them was wrong. Every single one written hundreds of years before he was to be born. Hundreds of years and every single one of them came to pass to the littlest detail. I don't know if we have any business majors in here tonight, but if you go to business school, one of the classes you have to take is quantitative analysis, and it is a terrible class. It is difficult, confusing. It's basically you come up with all these different formulas to find out the probabilities of different different things, and it's extremely helpful in business because you can figure out the probability of how well this product will do on the market. Well, some people took quantitative analysis, and they wanted to apply it to the prophecies that were foretold told about the coming of Jesus Christ. This is what they found. If only eight of the, I'm not, you know, there's there's over 300, but if only eight of those prophecies came true, they said that was the equivalent of 10 to the 17th power. Now, what does that mean? That means one out of, and this is, this is the number one out of a number one with 17 zeros behind it. 17 zeros, that is a hundred million trillion. One out of a hundred million trillion, that's the odds that just eight of those prophecies would come true. I mean, that's a big number. That is a very big number. They did it on just 48 of them. Not 300, but if just 48 of those prophecies came true, it was 10 to the 157th power. What does that mean? That number is one with 157 zeros. I don't even know. As a child, that's just a gazillion. That's a big number. One uh, out of one with 157 zeros. That's the odds that 48 of these prophecies would come true. let Let me give you an illustration of the equivalent. If we took the state of California... And we dug it three foot deep and we filled it in with quarters. It's like me reaching my hand in there and grabbing the right quarter. That's the odds that just 48 of these prophecies would come true. 
And we know through recorded history that all 300 of them were fulfilled perfectly. I mean, mathematically speaking, it's hard to doubt the validity of this book and the realness that our God is real and that our Savior was alive. So let's look at this scripture today. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, one of the most famous Christmas passages out of the Old Testament. For unto us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That's what I want to talk about tonight, Prince of Peace. We're on a series about peace. And so let's look at that phrase, Prince of Peace. In the Hebrew, that phrase is Sar Salom. The word Sar is the Hebrew word for prince. And the, the translation prince is a pretty weak translation in the English language. Because for most of us, when we hear the word prince, we think Prince Charming or, or Prince William and Prince Harry or Prince Charles. We really don't think authority with the word prince. The word, the word prince doesn't conjure up in our mind authority. The actual Hebrew translation of this word is more correctly translated as Lord, General, Ruler, Chief, the one in charge. That's what this is really saying. He is the Lord of peace. It's not just the Prince of Peace. He is the Lord of peace. He is the ruler, the general. And then the Hebrew word peace, shalom. Most of us have heard that word because it's a, a popular Jewish greeting. Shalom means peace, rest, tranquility. Jesus is peace. He is the Lord of peace. And what I want you to understand tonight is peace is not something that Jesus has. Peace is something that Jesus is. He doesn't just have peace. He is peace. So tonight, if I want to speak about peace, really, I just need to tell you about Jesus because Jesus is peace, not just what he has, but who he is. And when you understand that truth, the Bible makes a lot more sense when you read other passages of scripture. I'm going to give you four tonight to look at in the light of that truth. John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus says, peace, I leave with you, not just any old peace. He says, my peace. He says, this is me. This is this is mine. He says, I give you and I don't give it to you as the world gives it to you. Romans five, verse one says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. What you'll notice in the New Testament is the New Testament always applies the word Lord with Jesus in regards to peace. It always says Lord Jesus when it talks about peace. The New Testament understood what the Old Testament writers were trying to communicate when it said Prince of Peace. It always attributes Lord with Jesus and with peace. So through our Lord Jesus Christ, it's not, again, he doesn't possess it. He is peace. Psalm chapter 4 verse 8. It says, I will lie down and sleep in peace. I am in peace. We are in Christ for you alone. O Lord, make me dwell in safety. What is he saying? He's saying, you alone, God, can give me peace. You alone are peace. Without you, there is no peace. Psalm 29, verse 11. The Lord gives strength to his people. And look at this. The Lord blesses his people with peace. Tonight, God wants to bless you with his peace. 
Tonight, God wants you to be able to sleep in heavenly peace. My desire is tomorrow morning when you wake up that you just celebrate Jesus as the birthday boy and just put him first in your day and you'll get the most out of Christmas. You know, we all get that left down, let down feeling late in the afternoon where Christmas didn't meet our expectations. If you want Christmas to meet your expectations this year, put Jesus first in the day. Before you open your presents, celebrate the birthday boy. Put them first and you'll have a completely transformed Christmas experience. I want to take you back to yesterday for those of you that are with us. And I want to look at one verse and explain it a little bit. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 13 and 14. Remember we're talking about Jesus is peace. He doesn't just have peace. He is peace. Ephesians 2. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He's saying, listen, you were lost. You were away from God, but now you've been brought near because of Christ. Not because of you, not because your efforts, not because you're a good person. You've been brought near through his blood. And then verse 14, for he, in your notes I put Christ in parentheses, for he, Christ, himself is our peace. He he doesn't just have peace, he is our peace. So this is the point. This is the big idea that I want you to leave with today. It is impossible. It is absolutely impossible for you to have real peace. You may have counterfeit peace that doesn't last, that's fragile, but it is impossible for you to have real peace without connecting into an authentic, life-giving, dynamic relationship with Jesus Christ. If you don't know Jesus, you won't have peace. You can't have it without him. He is peace. So knowing him brings peace in your life. And so we got to understand peace. If you surveyed most people and you asked them, what is peace? Most people, a common answer, a common response would be peace is an emotion or peace is a feeling. But peace isn't an emotion. It's not a feeling. Uh, Another popular answer is people will tell you peace is the absence of conflict. You know, when you're not fighting, then you have peace. But let me take it a step further and, and really explain what I believe peace is biblically. Peace is not the absence of something. Peace is the presence of something. And, and let me say it like this. It's not just the presence of something. It's the presence of someone. When you have him, you have peace. You see, my goal today is for you to leave here with a personal relationship with the Sar Shalom. And if you will know the Sar Shalom, the Prince of Peace, the Lord of Peace, then the byproduct in your life is peace. Peace becomes the byproduct to know him. So you don't pursue peace. You pursue him because when you have him, you have peace. Let me say it like this. If Jesus is in the bottom of your boat, it doesn't matter how bad the storm is. You're going to be all right. If he's in the bottom of the boat, you can take a nap in the middle of life's worst storm that it can throw at you if he's there. So now let me give you three truths. If you're following along in your notes, I'd encourage you to to fill in the blanks and take this home with you. Because I guarantee if you'll do the three truths, I guarantee you will find peace in your life. If you will apply these three truths, and it's not easy. This is tough stuff, but I, but I guarantee if you will apply these three truths in your life, you, you will discover peace. So if he is the Lord of tranquility, if he truly is the Prince of Peace, 
Here's the key. The first thing you have to do is, number one, get under the lordship of Jesus Christ. You have to submit yourself. You have to have a lordship relationship with Jesus Christ. And this is the problem. Most Christians today don't understand lordship. I mean, I mean, Lord is not a popular term today. We don't have lords in our world today. So let me give you the best illustration for the word Lord in our world, in our day and age. The word Lord, you can look at as like boss. Your boss is the Lord of your career. And so the word Lord is basically Christ is the Lord of your entire life. And here's the problem. You cannot just call him Lord. The Bible says many people will call him Lord And Jesus says, depart from me, I never knew you. It's not enough to call Jesus your Lord. You have to submit yourself under his lordship. Because there's many people today that call him Lord that do not submit to his lordship. They do not live their lives as if Jesus Christ was their Lord. They call him their Lord. And and they, they may very well be on their way to heaven, but they have not submitted themselves to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Let me give you an example. And, and this is going to be a strong message today because we live in a generation that doesn't want to give control of our life to anyone else. We want to be the boss. We want to be in charge. I don't want to have to submit myself to anybody. I want to make decisions for my life. And so this is a tough concept for many people in our generation. But I want you to look at lordship like an umbrella. If it's pouring rain in here and, and, and I have the umbrella like this and I say, hey, look, this is my Lord. I'm getting soaking wet. I mean, I mean, just having a Lord or saying I know the Lord or pointing to my Lord isn't enough to protect me from the rain. The only way I will be protected from the rain is when I submit myself under his lordship. So you see, I have to place myself under the lordship of Jesus Christ if I want to be protected from the rain. And this is where it becomes difficult because we don't like to submit ourselves to the lordship of anyone. We want to be in charge. We want to be in the boss. And so many of us get out from under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And every time we do it, we end up getting wet. We get away from his lordship and we end up giving wet. Let me give you a painful illustration that, that, is, that, is, that is very real uh, with where we're at today. In our church, for example, Coastline Church, we have people in our church today who will literally miss a Sunday morning service for their kids' football game or soccer game or dance recital. Now, don't kill me. That's not the big issue right there. I know right now you're already throwing up walls. Just settle down for a second. That's not the issue. I don't have a problem with you missing church for a kid's soccer game. This is the issue I have with it. People will do it without ever thinking twice about asking God's permission or talking to the Holy Spirit, or consulting with God about whether or not uh, they should miss church that week. That's the issue. Is he the Lord of your life, or isn't he? Let me ask you a question. Would you miss a day of work for your kid's soccer game without clearing it with your boss? Well, then why would we miss church without at least talking to God about it? Now, now, now let, me, let me clarify something real quick because I don't want you to leave confused tonight. You don't need your pastor's permission. That's a cult. I don't need you to email me and ask me if it's okay for you to miss church. I don't need to talk to God for you. You can talk to God on your own. That's what Jesus came for. You don't need me in this conversation. That, that, that's cult. 
I'm saying there's people today who are making decisions in their life without submitting to the lordship of Jesus Christ, without even giving an audience to him or talking to him about or consulting with him about it. Is he the Lord of your life or isn't he? Who's the boss? Who's making the decisions? Are you talking to him? Are you having at least a conversation with him about things? Acts chapter 10, verse 36. The Bible says, you know the message God sent to the people of Israel. Announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ. Peace comes through Jesus Christ. And I love the way that they end this sentence. Who is Lord? There's that word Lord again. I'm telling you, every time you see the word peace regarding Jesus, you see the word Lord. There there is a lordship issue to whether or not you are going to have peace in your life. And what does it say? Who is Lord of all? It doesn't say he's Lord of some of your life. It doesn't say he's Lord of Sunday, but Monday belongs to you. It says he's Lord of all, every area of your life. So does that mean I can just do whatever I want to do with my life and I'll have the peace of God? No. No, the peace of God comes when you submit yourself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's where peace comes from. Think about it like this with your children. You know, when you have a child that is just being obedient and loving and wonderful, how many of you parents know you just, you just want to bless that kid? I mean, you'll just do anything for that child. But if that kid is acting rebellious and rude and disobeying, I mean, the last thought that crosses your mind as a parent is, I just want to bless them today. I mean, it doesn't, it, it doesn't happen. If you step out from under the umbrella, you're going to get wet. So if you want God's peace, stay under his covering. Stay under his lordship. Look at this promise in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 32. Those of you that brought family today, forgive me for this tough message, but... You know, I I really want you to get peace. I really do. And you have to understand what the Bible says. The Bible isn't always easy and pleasant, doesn't always tickle, you know, what we want to be tickled. And sometimes it's tough and sometimes we got to wrestle through this. But I want you to have peace this year. I want you to experience this more than I've ever wanted you to experience anything. Isaiah 32, 17 and 18, the fruit of that righteousness will be peace. Yesterday, I said that peacemaking will lead you to righteousness, but I said the vice versa, vice versa was also true, that righteousness will lead you to peace. Well, right here, the fruit of that righteousness will be peace. What is righteousness? God's right standard. If you want peace in any area of your life, apply God's right standard to that area. If you want peace in your finances, apply God's right standard to your finances. If you want peace in your marriage, apply God's righteous standard to your marriage. Wherever you apply God's righteousness, which is basically submitting to his lordship, you will result in peace. It says its effect will be quietness and confidence forever. Then look at this promise in verse 18. I don't know anybody who wouldn't want this promise to be true in their life. My people will live in peaceful dwelling places. In secure homes, in undisturbed places of rest. I would love that to be true for you tonight. That that you could live in these peaceful dwelling places, undisturbed places of rest. I challenge you tonight. Don't just know the star Salom. Get under his lordship. Get under his covering. How do we do that? Number two, bring Jesus into every situation. Bring Jesus. 
Jesus Christ into every situation in your life. Again, if you don't have peace in your finances, bring Jesus into your finances. If you don't have peace in your marriage, bring Jesus into your marriage. If you don't have peace in your home, bring Jesus into your home. If you don't have peace at work, bring Jesus to work with you. Bring Jesus into every area of your life. This is the problem that many of us believers have is we compartmentalize our life. You know, we like to compartmentalize things. Okay, uh, a Sunday is the Lord's day. That's the day I get with Jesus. Monday is my day. And we compartmentalize our life. You know, we have this, this cultural Christianity that believes there is their natural life and then there is your spiritual life. But the Bible says they are one. We live in the spirit. We never leave our spiritual life. So my goal as a pastor is to not get you to bring Jesus on Sunday, but to get you to bring Jesus every day of the week. I want you to bring Jesus to work on Monday. I want you to bring Jesus home with you Tuesday night with your family and with your kids. I want you to bring Jesus with you to lunch on Wednesday, wherever you're eating out in the community. I want you, I want somebody please to bring Jesus to the forum parking lot in the holidays. I mean, he is needed there. Really, any shopping mall parking lot, Jesus is needed. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 16 says it like this. Now may the Lord of peace himself. Again, you know, you can't get away from it. The Lord of peace. See, that's, that's really the best translation of the Isaiah verse. The Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times. He doesn't want to just give you peace on Sunday when the worship team is just hitting it out of the park and the pastor is doing everything right and he's on. He wants to give you peace at all times. He wants to give you peace in every situation and in every way the Lord be with you all. The person that modeled that best to me was the founder of, of the movement our church belongs to. Our church is an art church. There's close to 400 art churches in America today. And we just, we just say we're a life-giving network of churches that wants to plant churches, and we want it to be healthy and life-giving. Well, the founder of ARC was a man named Billy Hornsby, and Billy modeled this better than anyone I know. Two years ago, Billy went home to be with Jesus. He was fighting the battle of cancer. And, and literally the last year of his life, when he knew his time was limited, there, there pastors all over America would fly to go see Billy because they wanted to pray for him and they wanted to encourage him. And every time they would get there, Billy would end up ministering to them. I mean, Billy would end up praying for them and encouraging them and, and making them feel good. Billy never thought about his own needs in the middle of his pain, in the middle of his physical condition. He was always thinking about loving and helping other people. Well, two years ago at our art conference, uh, Billy passed away two, year, two weeks before the conference. And so, so he knew he wasn't going to be with us at the conference. And so, but he still wanted to speak. So he filmed his sermon uh, uh, the week before he died to be shown at the conference because he just knew he wasn't going to live long enough to be at the conference. And so all the pastors there, it was a very emotional time to hear Billy preach. And wasn't even, you know, he was already in heaven with Jesus and to hear him preach. But one of the things Billy said, he said... Because we have Jesus in our lives and we bring him into every situation, even in our cancer, we have peace. Even in our cancer, we have peace. 
Someone asked, well, how did he do it? His wife jumped in and said it was our family verse. His wife said that the verse that their family loved was Philippians 4, verse 8 and 9. And that's, that's kind of the verse that their family modeled. It basically says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Keep your mind focused on the right stuff. He says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. See, that's the key tonight. Many people will leave a a Christmas Eve service and say, that was a beautiful night. The music was great. That was a nice message. That's not enough. Put it into practice. Take these three principles, put them into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. See, if you're wondering tonight, Why is there such a disconnect from the Christmas songs we sing in our lives? Why is there such a disconnect from the Christmas cards that we give in the way that our life looks? Well, it could be you need to get under the lordship of Jesus Christ. You need to bring him into every situation in your life. Isaiah 26 verse 3 talks about perfect peace. Not just peace, but perfect peace. And it says it like this. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. See, that's what Philippians is talking about. Think about the things that are lovely and pure and the things of God. If your mind will stay on him, you'll live in perfect peace. And that gives us our third point tonight. Keep your mind on Jesus. Get under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Bring Jesus into every situation in your life and keep your mind on Jesus. My prayer for you this Christmas, the benediction of this message is Romans 15, verse 13. It says, may the God of hope, I love that, the God of hope. It doesn't say the mean God of judgment. You know, that, that's a warped image that a lot of people have in the world today. They think God is this cosmic cop in the sky waiting to just strike you down when you break the law. That's not our, our God is a loving God. I like to say that God doesn't want to be your religion. He wants to be your dad. God's building a family and he wants to be, wants you to be a part of it. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray that that'll be your verse this Christmas, that that verse will become a reality in your life, that that'll be the truth. As we close tonight, I want to introduce you to Billy Hornsby, the founder of ARC. We Put together a video of his life. Because I want you to see a man who truly brought Jesus. He wasn't perfect, but he lived his life bringing Jesus into every situation in his life. And in this video, you'll see clips of Billy speaking literally three weeks before he went home to be with Jesus. And I want you to see what it looks like. I want you to see the peace in his faith. His body was in pain. He was in terrible circumstances. But I want you to see his spirit tonight that what i'm preaching can be a reality in your life if you'll bring jesus in every situation watch this video with me and meet billy i take god seriously i take my faith graciously but i take life hilariously and that's the way to do it take god seriously take your faith graciously but take your life hilariously to finish well Our lives have got to be about Him. It's got to be about His glory. We are all 
broken. But now we've been washed and we've been sanctified. And we sit here today innocent before God because of the blood of Jesus. And if we desire that today and don't have it, we can receive that utter, complete forgiveness from Jesus Christ. One of my goals in life, especially the older I get, is to be, be a significant factor in the success of somebody else's life. Not just focusing on me, but focusing on the success of other people. I'm going to live a life that honors Him. There's enough grace that comes from God that I'm able to withstand and overcome anything that comes my way. And that's the promise of God to me. What an incredible thought that my life would be a drink offering poured out on the altar of the Lord. That I could say one day that I, I, I finished what God sent me here to do. fulfillment of all that he holds dear is the moment when he worked his heart out in a good cause and lies exhausted on the field of battle. When I go, I don't want to have a lot of stored up energy. I want to have expended it all doing good. How about you? Let's just go ahead and wear ourselves out for the Lord. I learned this lesson that if I live for others, my work is always done. In other words, if I live for others and I die, the last person I helped finished my work. the race and I have remained faithful. Would you close your eyes tonight and bow your heads with me? I want to ask you a simple question. If you were in Billy's shoes, if you were facing death the way Billy was facing death would your soul be at peace the way we saw his soul at peace do you have what Billy has would you be in fear would you be in regret would you be in turmoil would your soul be disturbed within you do you know the condition of your soul if you let me make it a little bit more real God forbid but what if a tragedy happened tonight and you were standing at the doorstep of eternity? 
tonight? How's the condition of your soul? Would you be confident of where you would spend eternity? Do you know tonight whether or not you're right with God, whether you have that that real relationship with Jesus Christ? I'm not talking about being a good person. I'm not talking about going to church. Church won't save you. Going to church will not get you into heaven. Being a good person will not get you into heaven. One thing will get you into heaven, a relationship with Jesus Christ. A relationship. Do you know Jesus? Do you have a relationship with him? That's the question tonight. Because that's what will bring you peace, knowing him. Because he is peace. And so I'm going to say a prayer and lead people in just a moment in a prayer to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, to put God first, to, to settle the affairs of our soul. To put our soul at peace. And we're just going to pray. We're going to ask God to receive us. To put our soul at peace. And to welcome us into his family. So that we can begin a relationship with him. So if you would like tonight to join me in that prayer. If you're sitting out there and saying. Listen I don't know if I can handle things. The way that guy handled things. Uh, I I don't know whether or not my soul is right with God. But I want to. I want to get it right tonight. I want to make sure it's right tonight. I don't want to live another moment without settling this issue. This is the most important issue you'll ever settle in your life, your relationship with a loving God. And so if you'd like to join me in that prayer tonight, maybe it's the first time you've ever prayed this prayer. Maybe you just need to come back to God because you're away from him tonight. But whatever the situation is, if you'd like to join me in that prayer, if if, if you feel like that's you, and you need to join in this prayer tonight. With every eye closed and every head bowed, I'm not going to ask you to stand or come forward. This is between you and God tonight. I'm not going to single you out in any way at all. I just want to know who you are. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, if you'd like to join me in that prayer tonight, would you just raise your hand quickly and say, I want to join you tonight in that prayer. Raise your hand right now. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you in the back, thank you in the back. Thank you. You can put your hands down. This is how we do it. Step one, you just invite God to take first place in your life and you become part of his family. So right now in your own words, to yourself, God can hear your thoughts. Just say, God, I invite you to have first place in my life and to begin this relationship with you. Step two is you just ask God for forgiveness. None of us are good enough. We've all made mistakes. So just say, God, I need your forgiveness tonight. In step three, just say thank you for giving me the greatest Christmas gift I could ever receive 2,000 years ago and tonight in my heart. Just say thank you. Now, if you prayed that prayer tonight, uh, I just want to say we, we would love to have you be a part of our church family if you don't have a church family. We'd love to join with you on this journey of knowing God. As we close tonight, would you stand with me? We're just going to close with the, the title song to this series, Silent Night, and then we're going to be on our way. And so I just want you to sing this song with us. And as you sing this song, let God, may the God of hope, fill you with all peace and all love tonight.
Thank you so much, church. Go in God's grace and His peace. Merry Christmas.